I am speaking with Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy on today's episode of the podcast. Congressman, thank you for joining me on Ukraine Watch. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, support for Ukraine against Russian aggression is one of the few issues with bipartisan support in Congress. You yourself have been a consistent supporter of Ukraine aid. However, rising energy prices and other economic pressures have sparked debate over what role the U.S. should be playing in this conflict. Why do you view the fate of Ukraine as a foreign policy priority for the United States? Well, I think the Ukrainians are fighting a war so that we don't have to. They are fighting for democratic principles. They're fighting against an authoritarian dictator, Vladimir Putin, who will absolutely uh, invade the next country and the next if he's not stopped in Ukraine. And that's why it's so important to help the Ukrainians defeat him in Ukraine. I asked you also about um, energy prices. I wanted to touch upon that too. Uh, OPEC recently announced large oil production cuts what options do you think the United States has to respond to this? I mean, it's, it is related to what's going on in Ukraine. Yes, I think that the Saudis are siding with Putin uh, in cutting oil production and increasing prices, which, by the way, you know, Putin uh, funnels that extra oil revenue right into the war effort. And so we know where the Saudis stand and we know where we stand. And we have to partner with our allies and partners uh, around the world to do multiple things. One, um, I think that we have to do everything we can to tap into extra uh, energy production wherever we can do it. Uh, and I believe in an all of the above strategy at this point to stabilize energy prices, whether it's nuclear, uh, whether it's current fossil fuel generation, whether it is um, bringing all renewable projects online ASAP, uh, which might get caught in red tape and uh, bureaucracies around the world, including here in the United States, and of course, increasing oil and gas production here in the U.S. to the extent we can, although I think we're running full out, meaning I think we are, the oil and gas industry is, um, I think, uh, producing on an average daily basis in the U.S. Uh, a record amount uh, of oil and gas um, on average throughout this administration. Um, I also think that we have to be uh, clear-eyed um, about uh, what the Russians uh, intend to do through the winter. Uh, they're going to do everything they can to raise energy costs for Europe and others. And, um, and so we're going to need to assist the Europeans uh, exporting more natural gas from here to the, to the Europeans uh, at their uh, LNG uh, terminals and so forth. Um, and so it's going to be uh, an all-out effort to make sure that we can stabilize energy prices through the winter. I want to switch gears a little bit to another part of the world that's been getting a lot of attention. You traveled with uh, Speaker Pelosi in August to Taiwan. Uh, why do you think it was important to go, and what was your takeaway from that trip? It was important to go to prevent what happened in Ukraine from happening in Taiwan. The Chinese Communist Party has its eye on Taiwan, has always had its eye on Taiwan, and at this point, Chairman Xi Jinping, uh, who is about to be uh, chosen for a third term as the leader of the country uh, by the uh, Politburo and the, and the Chinese Communist Party Congress this month, um, believes that uh, China, the PRC, uh, should be 
quote unquote, reunited with Taiwan through any means necessary. That includes military means. And uh, published reports say that he wants to be ready to do this by as soon as 2027, and it might be even sooner than that. We have to do everything we can to stand with the Taiwanese um, as they resist this potential aggression and to deter that kind of aggression. And I think that it's important that we do that not only, again, to discourage military aggression by the Chinese Communist Party, but any other regime, and to also send another message to Vladimir Putin that we're not going to stand by, whether it's him or anyone else, uh, going after another sovereign country and trying to subjugate it. Yeah, speaking of which, um, there has been a lot of talk, obviously, about the threat of nuclear war. Moscow's been threatening the West with nuclear strikes if Ukraine is successful. Uh, do you see this one as a credible threat? And what options do you see on the table in response to Russia if they do decide to go nuclear? I think it's credible. I think he's a rational actor. Um, as CIA Director Burns told me in a uh, testify in live testimony in Congress, um, and so we have to make him aware of all the consequences of his choices. I think that he needs to know that he will be much worse off employing weapons of mass destruction than not doing so. I think that we have to spell out those consequences clearly so there's no miscalculation. And at the same time, we have to uh, prepare the Ukrainians and help them uh, in any way, shape, or form to... Uh, discourage uh, this type of activity um, and we have to continue to aid them on the battlefield to continue to consolidate their gains. Ultimately, I wish for peace for Ukraine, uh, but the only way that they're going to win that peace is by showing strength on the battlefield. So do you think that includes the United States providing air uh, surface air defense for Ukraine? Yes, I think that we have to provide more um, uh, capabilities for the Ukrainians to defend themselves against, for instance, these loitering Iranian drones that go on kamikaze missions uh, at critical infrastructure in Ukraine. Um, we have to make sure that the, the Ukrainians have what it takes to protect their skies um, and, of course, to protect against the air assaults. Now, Congressman, I know you're limited for time, but I want to ask you one more question. You have um, an election coming up. I want to give you a chance to address uh, voters directly. What message do you have for your constituents as they get ready to go to the polls? Well, it's been the honor of my life to represent them in Congress for three terms now, and I respectfully request a contract extension, so to speak, for a fourth term, uh, because uh, I have a track record of delivering for our constituents, whether it's investing in local law enforcement to reduce crime through uh, uh, securing grants for the Schaumburg Police Department, the Hoffman Estates Police Department, or seeking assistance for the Elk Grove Village Police Department. Um, I have a track record of fighting for them against threats that I believe uh, will harm our community. I banded together with our local mayors against the Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern Railroad, which I think will really significantly harm our communities. Um, and I also have a track record of um, working with Republicans in Congress 
uh, to get things done. So for instance, I helped to modernize our nation's vocational education system, which benefits 11 million students annually now, um, as well as to fight the youth vaping epidemic um, and to get Juul to stop targeting our youth. So uh, given that track record, the Daily Herald just endorsed me last week, calling me a likable problem solver who gets things done, working with people from both sides of the aisle. My wife might take issue with the term likable, <laughs> but I think the rest of it is accurate. Well, Congressman Christian Murthy, I thank you very much for your time, and I appreciate you talking to me on Ukraine Watch. Yes, sir. Thank you again. Take care. Ukraine Watch was created and produced by Dan Terlecki in partnership with Chicago's Ukrainian Independent Radio. Please rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast app as it helps others find the show.